Oh, people, we are always 100%. It's another Echoes from the Goddamn Void. <laughs> people, now, I guess a lot of you will, well, I think most people probably know right now that the COVID vaccine has hit the UK, right? Hit, I think it was on Monday, right? So, um, <laughs> they were putting out pictures of the first person that got the vaccine and there's all these NHS workers aligned the corridor clapping and I'm like I'm looking at this picture and I'm like hmm firstly the, I don't know why the NHS always does it right every time something they want they love putting out pictures with people clapping because really that shit doesn't happen right never when i've worked in the hospitals never seen it doesn't happen it's only for press releases secondly right the irony of this photo person's in a motherfucking wheelchair right i'm just a bit like okay if the uh you know, if the vaccine is all legit and cool, why is this person in a motherfucking wheelchair after they got it? You know what I mean? I'm like, that's a little worrying. <laughs> you you cannot leave this hospital on your own two feet. <laughs> I think that that tells us a lot. You know what I mean? And the other thing, people. So today. Day now, there's all this stuff coming out, and it's like, um, there's a, a, like allergy warning, allergy warning, <laughs> and it's it, it's it's crazy, right? They're saying people with a history of significant allergic reactions should not take the uh, the Pfizer or the biotech vaccines, so. I'm a bit like, huh? And, um, right, but what it says, because it says, oh, two NHS workers got ill. And then they're saying, oh, yeah, no, it's just a rash and blah, blah. And I'm like, if it was just a rash, right, just a rash and a little breathlessness, you wouldn't be telling people not to, because that's nothing, right? There's, I think, everyone understands, look, you get, certain vaccines and you there's usually your arm swells are slightly there can be some redness you know what i mean you don't get off scot-free right whatever you do you never walk away without anything happening so we we understand that we realize that but to be like oh it's a rash so, so don't don't get it it kind of tells you It's probably more than just that Right There's something more Than just Just a rational little breathlessness You know what I mean I think someone's not giving the whole truth Right here <laughs> But uh Yeah I was never getting this motherfucker straight away Right Don't Not with something like this 
got pushed through way too quickly. I feel, wait, wait a few months, you know what I mean? And then assess. <laughs> if, uh, you know, I'm seeing people disappear, right? If people I know suddenly develop extra fingers and shit, then, yeah, I did the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> I will laugh. Like there's no there's no question. If see if someone I knows calls me up and's like, yeah, I got the vaccine last month and uh I don't know, it's fucking crazy. I've grown an extra tongue. <laughs> like anything. Anything. We even if it was just like one of my fingers dropped off, I'm still laughing. That's hilarious. Right? That is fucking hilarious. Kinda want it to happen. Kinda want Yeah. I want it to happen. Someone take that motherfucker. I don't know, make a list of the people that irritate me and they can do it. But yeah, that that's one of the biggest things in the UK right now. Right, it, it's that, and a possibly a an even worse lockdown in London. I think that's what they're threatening right now. Yeah, yay! <laughs> oh my gosh! But like, there's some other crazy shit because um, what is it? Uh, who was it? It was um bloody uh. Japan, I think it was Japan, yeah, 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 Japan, so, yes, no, it definitely is Japan, ugh, I, you know, you know, I ramble sometimes, anyway, it's Japan, right, so, they've, they launched, you know, a spaceship into space, yeah, I, I realise what I've just said, a spaceship into space, obviously, no, they didn't leave, launch a spaceship into the motherfucking ocean, alright, so they launched a spaceship recently, okay, and one of their missions was to take samples of a uh, a moon, a, a, I think it was a moon rock, right, or an asteroid, something, some rock in space, right, so they did that, and now it's landed. It's back home. But, right, what these cheeky motherfuckers did, <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they got these samples. And, like, this, the way this article I read is they're like, it's talking about older technology. Oh, how great. And they've developed this thing and it's amazing. I read something else into it. I read that these cheeky ass motherfuckers be scared and have now put someone else in the line of danger, right? So, yeah, th this capsule with these samples on, that is in this little, I don't know, spacey capsule -y thing, and... They released it from the spaceship, which baffles me. Because it's just like, all right, you've got this cat. Why don't you just bring it down when the spaceship lands, right? Back in Japan. No. So they, they had this capsule thing, and they launched it off. 
So this capsule thing landed in Australia. <laughs> it landed in Australia. You see what these motherfuckers? They're just like, just in case, right? Just in case this is contaminated or is, you know, the, 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 these aliens come and try and get their shit back. We don't want to bring that to Japan. Right, but we don't really give a fuck about Australia. I mean, they can have that fucking rock motherfucking place full of criminals, they can take it. So they dropped their fucking canister in Australia. Oh man, and then like a day or so later, they went and collected it. I'm just like, that is hilarious. It's hilarious, but they're trying to palm it off as being, hey, look at us, we're inventing shit, and it's just like, you, (laughs) no, (laughs) no, you're the motherfucker at a party with the big mouth, says some shit, and then hides and lets someone else get into the fight, that's what you did, motherfuckers, (laughs) oh my gosh, ah, I know, people, I just find that hilarious. I think it's the Hayabista, Hayabisa 2, Hayabusa 2. I mean, that's what they were calling it. But, um, yeah, there are two big things that have gone down this week. You know, crazy. It's asteroid, asteroid samples, yeah. Yeah, I so I was right. I'm usually right, people, you know what I mean? Drop a little spin on the shit. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's get into some more shit, right? Because there is a lot of crazy shit happening. And um, you know, I feel you need to know about it. So let's fucking go, people. <laughs> let's get this crack in. It's a weird thing, right? People are always complaining about just little shit, right, how many times you go online, and people, like, put posts up, and be like, oh, I miss parties, right, just shit like that, when, come on, man, look, you can still see your peoples, just not in huge groups, but let's be real, huge groups are irritating, Because you can, like, if you meet up in a huge group, you're never catching up with everyone. I mean, let's be honest. And it's a few months, right? Yeah, it's not the best, but there is bigger shit going on in the world. And when you take a look at what's happening in India right now, it definitely puts some shit into perspective, right? So, it seems that new laws are slowly coming into place to stop inter-religion, um, inter, inter-faith. I, yes, I think that's what you call it, inter-religion. I don't know. Just, you can't mix religions, right? So, if a, uh, you know, um, a... a Hindu and Muslim couple wanted to get married, ain't gonna wash, 
ain't gonna wash, right? So, in the past, they used to use a you know a charity called um the Hanak, right? Who could try and mediate and help the couple, yeah, get married. But now, it seems that um yes some. Ah, some places are bringing in this law around, um, like, love conversions, right? Otherwise known as love jihads. So th- what they're saying is that if, you know, a Muslim marries a Hindu, you know, like, people can get arrested because... um. Of their new anti-conversion laws You know, saying that You know, if a, like If a Muslim man marries a Hindu woman The man's getting arrested For trying to convert The Hindu woman To Muslim To Islam, even Right, which I don't know, it seems insane Because I'm just like Surely people can get married And be of different religions Right, like, you, I, I, I don't really. For me, I don't see the issue. But I'm not religious, you know. But this seems to be a huge, huge thing over in India, you know. Supposedly, right, ninety um, percent of marriages are arranged. That's yeah. That's what, um, yeah, some research is saying. 90% of marriages are arranged, which definitely seems crazy. And, you know, especially when you speak to some people and they say that, oh, you know, arranged marriages, it happens, but it's not the norm anymore. But, yeah, they're saying 90% of the time. And... Interfaith marriages are only 2% of the population. Only 2%. Which, yeah, again, seems kind of crazy. When you've got a country f- so big, so many people, you'd have thought that, yeah, it would just be a thing. That it can happen. Now, obviously, look, it's not going to happen all the time Because the amount of times you, you know, you could go on a dating site, right? And, you know, Christian people will be like, oh, I'm, you know, it always sounds cringy, right? For the most part, you know, a lot of people will be like, I'm in love with the Lord Looking for someone who's also in love with the Lord and it always seems weird because they're like, I'm into monogamy. And you'd be like, well, you're not. <laughs> because you can't, you know, be trying to find a relationship and be loving the Lord at the same time, people. You know, that's a menage a trois if I haven't heard one. Um, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, that's a thing, right? It, it happens in all walks of life. But we do see... Plenty of, uh, you know, mixes But, yeah, in some places This is definitely, definitely 
not allowed. You know, so, um, yeah, it seems that a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of states are trying to bring in these new anti-conversion laws, you know, to stop interfaith marriages, which, yeah, they definitely would seem problematic, right? Definitely seem problematic. Um, A historian, you know, is saying that it's very, um, yeah, it's very weird, the whole situation. He said, uh, when a Hindu man marries a Muslim woman, it's always portrayed as romance, and love by Hindu organizations. While when the situation is reversed, they say it's coercion. So uh, yeah, there, there definitely is issues around religion and the dominance of one or the other. And yeah, like how do they stop this? Right? How how do they fix this issue? I have no clue, but this definitely is, yeah, it's an issue, man, it's a problem, right, it is a problem to, for all the poor people who are living out there and just want to be fucking happy, right, imagine that, your happiness is dictated to you by, you know, your fucking state, by your religion, that's insane, right, that's fucking insane, so, um, yeah, when you're complaining about some, oh, just some small bullshit that doesn't really mean anything, think about that, people, think about that, Okay, what is kind of hilarious, right? Just remember, a few months ago, everyone couldn't shut up about the social dilemma, right? It was weird, because it's not like the whole, you know, screen deprivation, you know, computers, um, phones, all of that being this addictive entity. That's something... Like, that has been talked about for years. We've known this thing. We've known that, you know, apps and all of this are designed to grab your attention. Hell, everything is, you know, is designed to grab your attention. So it's not just computers. It's just everything in life. That's what it is, a brand logo, whatever, it's all there to grab you, but this is a thing, but it wasn't until Social Dilemma that people started to go, oh, this thing is happening, and be like, yeah, dumb-dumb, come on, man, <laughs> like, we've spoken about this, but yeah, that was the thing, now it would seem, right, people... Want to leave their kids with virtual nannies? Virtual nannies, right? So you are putting your kid in front of a computer screen 
and hoping that someone on the other end is gonna stop them from doing all manner of craziness. Just think about that for a minute, right? Now, I, you know, I feel everyone has heard the horror stories of just, you know, nannies in the flesh, babysitters in the flesh. You know, how much trouble they can have with a kid. You know, trying to get them to do a certain thing. Now, it's all well and good with certain stuff, right? But once you ask the kid to do something it doesn't want to do, or if it's now bored of doing the thing that it's currently doing, then it's kind of, it can be over. You know, that kid can, yeah, go a little, you know, crazy. So, how the fuck are you going to keep its attention through an app? Right? How are you going to do that? It seems bizarre. (laughs) It seems bizarre. It's some crazy ass shit. It's baffling to me. I, I don't get it. But, uh, yeah, there's a a number of companies that seem to be uh, doing this thing. You know, one company is like, oh, kids must be at least two for parents to use the app. And you'll be like, oh, right, yeah, because two is that age when kids suddenly decide to listen to what they're being told. (laughs) You know, it's weird. Like, you would kind of think that maybe... No, actually, I was going to say if they were older, but, yo, it ain't, it's, it's not going to work. Now, obviously, there's the odd kid, right? There's the, there's always that one kid that you, you know, you know, yeah, their parents are always like, oh, like, we just say, oh, can you do this? And they do it. And it's like, wow, you know, there's always that one kid, right? But for the most part, yay. Kids can be a nightmare, and isn't it's not a yeah. That's not like there's nothing wrong with that. That's what people do. It, it's that early age where you have to, you know, learn what the fuck boundaries are, right? Now, if you're not going to be all, you know, crazy, then it gets to a point where you just don't understand. Right, that oh, we shouldn't be doing this. There's pushback on that shit. Okay, right. I understand now. You know, there's always you meet those people later in life, and they just don't get it because they've always had shit their own way. Right? Is you feel they've always had a yes or oh, you can go to bed whenever you like. You know what I mean? It's just all of that one. And so they are just nightmare people. You know what I mean? It is so weird interacting with them. But all the others, yeah. Doing an app? Right, it's, you know, they're saying that, oh, they need, like, verification. Like a DBS check. And it's just like, yo, a lot of that shit, you can fake that shit. 
right? You, you know, doing things online, there's a way around all of that. That's why, you know, meeting people in person is always the most ideal. You need to get a sense of them, you know, which you just don't get over a fucking video screen. So you're putting your kid in front of a video screen. How the fuck are you meant to know what is going on? Right, it, it just seems insane. Seems an insane thing to do. And I am just waiting. Waiting for all those stories to come out of oh, my kid was flashed. My kid was, you know, groomed. <laughs> my kid was convinced to have you know, read out my credit card information. Like, you know what I mean? My kid burnt down a house while they were meant to be, you know. Being taken care of by an online Those stories are coming <laughs> Those stories are definitely coming I guarantee it Because this This is some bananas bullshit That comes around When the fucking whole world is on lockdown People go fucking crazy Oh my days Man the writing is on the wall for this. Trust me. It would seem one thing that, you know, this whole year has brought into focus is just a lot of inequalities that are taking place around the world, right? Um, you know. We we had the whole Black Lives Matter thing that just I don't know is very fucking unfocused, right? It is so unfocused, and like people seem to be able to appease people just by posting a fucking black square off. Fist or a hashtag online, or then you get some other bullshit like an award ceremony will hand out a lot of awards to black people, and then everyone thinks, Oh, things are changing. We're like, No, 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 we haven't even scratched the fucking surface. But another being Another big thing that came to light was in California, right? You know, just the, the taxes and restrictions that they were trying to put on people While other places were a little bit more open, you know? A little bit more open Now, we're not saying that Yo, you, like, everything should be open And everything should be as it were But, you know, people are losing their fucking businesses You know, we're, we're seeing everything go crazy And one person that just had enough of it Was Elon Musk You know, he, um, yeah, he opened up his factories Opened up his factories because for some reason, he, he was told that, yeah, his factories weren't 
um, what's the word they were using, right, you know, all those classifications they were putting on certain businesses, you know, some were, um, hmm, let's just say required, and some weren't, right, and, um, yeah, he's just like, well, look, firstly, his cars are clean energy, so you'd think that they would be, you know, one of these priority businesses, secondly, he wanted to pay his fucking staff, so he opened up the factories, which, yeah, definitely a big move, you know, Like, he was doing all the tests and everything like that. So, um, yeah, he did that. But he did say, at the time, if this shit continues, I'm leaving. And, um, yeah, it it, kind of reminded you of all those people that were, like, uh, the first time around, if Trump gets elected, I'm leaving, and then never left, right? Never left, but Musk ain't like those people, he does what he says, and he is now moving, (laughs) moving fucking Tesla from Silicon Valley to Austin, Texas, which is huge, huge, I just think of how much money that business brings to a state, right, in rent and taxes and all of that, you know, the employment that they bring, that's in, that is huge, it's huge, right, that can be the, um, yeah, the lifeblood of a community, like something like that. I mean, look, we all know what happened in places like Liverpool, Detroit, um, yeah, Hull, when like manufacturing disappeared. Yeah, you know, so yeah, Musk taking, you know, his business to Austin, you know, just Think of what that will do to Austin, right? That's going to bring so, so much. Huh, it's crazy. It is a crazy that, yeah, California let that shit go down. You know, but, um, hey, he, he said it and he kept his fucking word. So hats off to fucking Elon Musk, man. I mean, that's a, that's a huge ass move, and it makes sense to some respect because you know SpaceX they're already based in Texas, you know. So yeah, just align everything in the same space, you know. Yeah, but that is uh, yes yeah, going down. So <laughs> man, shit is changing. Uh, you know, I, I wonder how many other places, how many other businesses are potentially looking to relocate, you know, for uh, better taxes, just better outcomes, you know, uh, for to be in a place that's better governed, 
right? Because I feel that is the key to it all, you know, the governance. So, uh, yeah, let's let's see what happens with all of that. So with all the talk on um, award shows in the last few weeks, the Oscars have just, um, yeah, they've just come out and, yeah, let everyone know about what changes they're looking to make, well, hmm, not so much, they've announced who will be producing the Oscars next year for the 2021 award show. Right, so um yeah, like we all know that it's been pushed back, right? So usually Oscars happens at the end of February, you know, but because of all the delays and the cinema closes and everything like that, they extended the uh Illegibility, the eligibility. Mm. They they extended the awards window. <laughs> Let's just say that, right? So um, now the ceremony will be taking place um, on the twenty fifth of April. Yeah, which is yeah definitely later than normal. And they have just announced that they've um, hired Steven Soderbergh, um, Stacey Shah, and Jesse Collins to produce a ceremony. And I'm like, you know, they're talking about how this will respond directly to the effects of COVID, right? But I don't really feel that that's the big issue with the Oscars, right? The big issue with the Oscars is just the horrendous, right? The just horrendous way that awards are handed out, like representation and just, yeah, just the shitty, the shitty categories like the the way certain films are, are bunched into some of these categories. Like you see some films in the comedy, you know, section, and you like that film is in a comedy. How the fuck is that film there, and not in the other category? You know, it's just weird. The Oscars are weird, and um, yeah, hiring these three people, it, it's not really going to change that. You know, oh, it might have a different look to it. Oh, they might open it up with a different musical number, right? Oh, what are they going to do? Have people on screens and separating and blah, 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 whatever. Because, you know, I don't know, by April next year, I imagine the vaccine will have been rolled out across the world. So having people in person isn't necessarily going to be a crazy thing. I mean, look, because that's the whole thing, right? Once the vaccine is out, people in person, right, that's not going to be as much of an issue as it is right now. Because it's only an issue because people are going to get ill, right? And there's no fighting it. But with a vaccine, that's a game changer, right? 
So, I know, it's not really that. But, you know, the, the big issues with the Oscars is representation. It's people getting up there and trying to force their fucking views on people. Remember last year? And it was just like, oh, the Oscars have gone meat-free. Ugh. Oh, shut up. You know what I mean? Look, the Oscars have gone meat-free. But all of these people have still flown in. You know what I mean? They're still flown in to be part of this ceremony. The carbon footprint of the Oscars is still Fucking huge So them trying to Be all oh look how Great we are It just doesn't wash People see through it You know you, you got Whacking Phoenix Blabbering on For ages about some bullshit When it's just like No <laughs> No Like what you're saying, it, it doesn't hold up. It's very one-sided and it doesn't hold up. Look, if he said a little something for, a sh- you know, 30 seconds, he'd be like, yo, thanks for the award, blah, blah, blah. And also, listen, people, listen, I'm vegan. Look, I do it for this. I don't like factory farming. Maybe take a look. You know, see what you think and make a change if you feel like you can. Alright, I'm out. Boom. Quick. Quick. But they don't. So, they're the big things. They're the big things that people are just... Ugh. Fuck the Oscars. Fuck the Grammys. Fuck the BAFTAs. Fuck the Golden Globes. Right? They're the things that are turning people off. And... Made last year's the, the least washed um, Yeah, I think it, it had the lowest all-time ratings You know, 23.6 million people tuned in In America to watch, right? Which, yeah, not great I mean, sounds like a huge last number to me But, you know, compared to previous years That ain't shit So, look, there, there are bigger issues that need to be addressed Rather than, oh, who can we get to produce it And do funny skits and blah, blah, blah Hmm But, yeah, they ain't gonna do that, right? They ain't gonna change. They ain't gonna do anything significant. It's just window dressing. That's what we're seeing from all these companies and you know providers. Window dressing. So uh, I imagine in the weeks to come, more information on this will come out. But it just I don't know, people. What the fuck are we doing, right? What are we doing? There has been a lot happening in the world of film this year. You know, we've seen, you know, films be delayed like months. Some films have been delayed a year. Some films have been pushed back two years, right? Because they initially went back a year. And then with all the other movement, they're like... 
we cannot compete with what's coming out at the same time. So yeah, they've dropped back a further year. It, it's put everything into disarray. Cinemas have, you know, they've been shut due to all the different phases and tiers that have been happening. And a lot of chains have talked about the possibility that they may never be able to come back. Right? Because, you know, they've been shut. So they're not making any money. So the other day, Warner Brothers made a huge announcement. Right? Made a huge announcement. So starting from... Christmas Day, right, because Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be dropping on the 25th of December in America, in the UK, I believe it's hitting cinemas on the 16th, but yes, in America, maybe Canada, um, it's Christmas Day, and it's hitting HBO Max, so then, all of their films in 2021 will be doing the same thing. They will also be hitting HBO Max. And director Christopher Nolan is not happy. He is not happy at all. You know, um, yeah, he's had a lot to say. <laughs> he has had a lot to say, which does make you wonder, will he be working with Warner Brothers in the future? You know, will a lot of big directors be working with Warner Brothers in the future? Though, I do believe that... I think some of this is... Well, I think it's blown out of proportion, right? I, I think it's blown out of proportion. And I also think that cinemas, they're partly to blame. Cinemas are partly to blame for their own demise, right? If you remember way, way back with CDs, right? And Tower Records, there was a big Tower Records in London, at Piccadilly Circus, and, you know, HMV had been open for years, and you could go into HMV and buy, you know, they were always running certain deals, right, sometimes you could buy, you know, five DVDs for £20, or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever offer they were doing, but even when there wasn't an offer, the CDs were a lot cheaper than, you know, Tower Records, and in the end, Tower Records had to shut because people stopped going there. And they blamed their demise on, you know, iTunes and digital downloads when it was them being greedy on their pricing model. And cinemas have done the same thing. Cinemas have gone from, you know, I know in the UK, like you could go as a kid, I could go to the cinema with five pounds, right, five pounds, and that's cinema ticket, bus fare there and back, and some sweets and a panda pop in the newsagent across the way, 
You're all for five pounds, people. Now going to the cinema, you're dropping what, like 30, 35 pounds just on tickets. That's not including travel, it's not including snacks, right? Not including a meal afterwards. So your day out, remember people, cinema used to be called the cheap date, right? The affordable date. It's not so much anymore. It's not so much. You look at the confectory in a cinema and the markup is over 100%. Right, you go to a supermarket and a bag of MMs might be 80p, right? Something like that. In the cinema, this they're three pounds. It, it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> How the fuck are they that much more expensive? No, if if the cinema put up, look, if they put a little bit of markup on. You'd be like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. So you say that ADP in the supermarket, cinema charged a pound. You'd be like, yeah, whatever, I'm I'm fine with that. But three pounds? Come on, man, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And when you know Netflix and Amazon Prime and all of these spots came up. It was the opportunity for cinemas, they could have all come together and set up their own streaming service. You know, if they all funded it between themselves, right, then there would be no arguments. Because they could all make from the revenue. But they didn't do it. Didn't do it. They they did a blockbuster, right? Blockbuster slept on Netflix and then... Went bust Went bust So Nolan Complaining I think you have to You know you have to look at the cinemas As well But here's the situation Yes Warner Brothers are putting Their titles on HBO Max But It's day and day release Right So the films are still hitting the cinema The films are still hitting the cinema and they're going to be on HBO for a month and a month only. Then they leave the service. So, yes, it is a way for, you know, Warner Brothers to basically boost HBO Max, right? Because from all accounts, the subscribership isn't great. So... They've taken away the free trial, you know, so now if you want HBO Max, you've got to subscribe properly for HBO Max, you know, they're definitely looking for ways to get subscribers, so if you think, oh, if I have HBO Max, I at least get to see all of these films, and especially if you're feeling uncomfortable about going into big public spaces. Yeah, it's a cheap move, but why not? Right? Because the films are still hitting the cinema. And everyone that keeps on talking, keeps on saying, oh, cinema will be dead 
if films are released at the same time. No. No, it's it's a dishonest statement. It's a real dishonest statement. Because there's certain studios that already do this. As, as some of the smaller, you know, indie studios, they do that. And it's fine. They still make money. And here's the thing. Going to the cinema, it's, it's an experience. Because not everyone can afford huge, huge, like... Big screens and projectors and sound systems in the house. Now, look, you know, the the cost of TVs has gone down, right? So most people, I imagine, have got a flat screen TV. And I imagine most people have got something that's at least 32 inches. Like... For supposedly, I think 32 is meant to be big, right? Because for me, I, I think, yeah, I got 50, right? Because anything smaller, I can't see that shit. But even on my screen, look, I, you know, it, it's, a, it's a real nice TV, you know? It, it was mad affordable. Because <laughs> I'm not dropping a grand on a TV. That's crazy right now. But it's a nice TV. It's a nice picture. I mean, for my needs anyway. But there's a different experience when you see it in the cinema. You know, the sound is different. Just the feel, it's different. Like, it's an experience. And there's certain films that... You will say to yourself, I need to see that in the cinema. I cannot watch that at home. It's not going to be the same, right? There's certain films that everyone will go, I need to see that in the cinema. You know, like, listen, say what you will about them, but a Fast and the Furious film, people will want to see that in the cinema. You know, something like June... You'd want to see that in the cinema, right? The stuff that you might go, ah, I could probably watch that at home. I would say that's more akin to, like, a Woody Allen film. You know what I mean? Just a lot of people talking. Don't get me wrong. I would still go and see, a, you know, a film like that, like Linklater's Before Trilogy. I saw Before Midnight in the cinema. You know what I mean? Because I love those films. I will see anything in the cinema. I saw Supernova in the cinema. And it was great. It's such an incredible film. Stanley Tucci, Colin Firth. You read what a cast, right? Now, that's not big action. But seeing it in the cinema was yeah, the best experience. You know, uh, seeing Premature in the cinema, that was incredible. Pink Wall, you know, they they are films that you might go, hey, you could watch them on TV. But no, seeing them in the cinema is just an, a richer experience. So, look, there's a ton of people that will always go when they can and watch something in the cinema. Now, what it means... 
to have it released at home, you now allow those people that can't get out, you know, the, the pe- those single parents, right, single parents, they might not have the money to be able to go to the cinema all the time, and if it's, if they do have the money, it's getting a babysitter, you know, being able to match the babysitter time up with the time it's actually showing, you know, be able to do that, there's some films that come out that are only out at weird times, that don't always align with people's work schedules, so you then allow those people to see the film, and not wait months before it's, you know, on its DVD cycle, and then, oh, now it's, you know, on TV in general, you know, you're opening things up, and just, look, there's some people that just never go to the cinema, they don't like going to the cinema, because, let's be honest, right, some cinemas, they're just not good, right, whether it's just shitty seats, right, they're freezing cold, or the staff are terrible, they never screen share, so there might be problems with the screens, there might be people talking all the way through a fucking film, all the way through a film, you know, which the staff are meant to pick up on and stop, and you go to some places and they don't, right, but if that's your local cinema, why are you going to go and spend your money, right, when every single time there's bullshit happening, so, yeah, look, this new model, which is only for next year, Right, that's what Warner Brothers have said. It's just for next year. It opens things up, right? It opens things up, and maybe, maybe they carry it on, you know, because, yeah, I will admit it is probably a test, right? It is, is probably a test, and if it's successful, they will most likely continue it, maybe not with everything. But definitely with some stuff. But, right, as long as they're releasing it in the cinema at the same time, what really is the issue? What's really... Because you're still going to get people going. It's the same as going to a festival, going to a concert, right? A lot of that shit is streamed, you know? But... It's a different experience. It's a different experience going live. The energy, right? Just the feel of it all. But um, yeah, Nolan doesn't necessarily feel the same. You know, he's had uh, he's had things to say, right? Um, he said in twenty twenty one. They've got some of the top filmmakers in the world. They've got some of the biggest stars in the world who worked for years in some cases on these projects. 
very close to their hearts that are meant to be big screen experiences. They're meant to be out there for the widest possible audience. And now they're being used as a loss leader for the streaming service, for the fledgling streaming service without any consultation. So there's a lot of controversy. It's a very, 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 very messy, a real bait and switch. Yeah. It's sort of not how you treat filmmakers and stars and people who these guys have given a lot of these projects. They deserve to be consulted and spoken to about what was going to happen to their work. Hmm. I mean, he's kind of... There's a point in that. I will say that. But, yeah, some of these shit, very scathing. Right, he also said some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. <laughs> It's like in a relationship, you know, you have an argument and sometimes someone says something which you just can't come back from. You know what I mean? You just can't come back from. And I wonder, is this what Nolan has done? You know, he he, he has a point that it, it might have been nice for Warner Brothers to kind of mention what their plan was. But let's be fair, they paid, you know, they paid the director, they paid the, you know, the, the, the actors and actresses, the, you know, the, the writers, the producers, all of those people, they all got paid, right, so it, it's not really their project, you know, it's work for hire, if you want to use a comic book term, so in in some respects, Warner Brothers didn't have to tell anyone. But you know, eh, like it's it would it, it would have been nice. It's common courtesy, you feel, to mention it to let people know what they're what they're thinking, what the plans are. But listen, as I said, I feel this this opens things up. Right, it opens things up. Nolan said that you know it, it, they're meant to be for the wide, widest audience, but by doing this, it is open to the widest audience. Now, it's just down for cinema to show why should people come? Why should people spend their money in your spot? Right now, some cinemas are doing it right. Every man cinema, that's best. The, the times I've been, it's a great experience. You know, comfortable seats. You can get tr alcohol if you want, food if you want. It's nice, man. You know, the, the staff are mad friendly, had a good experience. So, 
when you go to something like that, you go, all right, I could pay a bit more for these seats. But if you're just going to a normal cinema, you're sitting in normal seats, why the fuck am I paying this price? Right? What is the offer here? So, yeah, I feel it's up to the cinema to kind of redefine their offer, you know, show people why they should come, you know, because, hey, they've just been charging and charging and but not changing the experience for the user. So, yeah, let's see how cinema reacts. Let's see how this all goes. But end of the day, people, people are still going to the cinema. It's not dead. Okay, people, this week's chin check. Yo, we preview UFC 256. Davison Figueredo's putting his belt on the line against Brandon Moreno. Fastest turnaround in title history. That's going down. The card is sick. And then the following day on Sunday, Chell is bringing us the last submission underground of the year. Mason Fowler against Ishii. Woo! For the belt, people. A lot's going down. We're breaking down all the fights. So make sure you check out this week's episode. Episode 120. Woo! We've had a lot. And share it with your people's people. Remember, do that. Share the love. All right, now let's get back to this. So it was late at night, obviously, and I was looking around for something to uh, check out. And I stumbled upon um, a Brazilian TV series. Yeah, you know, which is interesting, right? But I do like the fact that Netflix um, kind of have added, you know, shows from everywhere. You know, giving everyone a little something to uh, check out. And it's good when, you know, there is a dubbed option. So, yeah, I, I looked at Nobody's Looking, which is an eight-episode series. Episodes are about half an hour. Right, um, it's created by Carolina Markowicz, uh, Tiedro Popovic, and Daniel Rezendi. Um, yeah, and it's starring Victor Lamoglia as Ulysses or Yuli. Uh, we got Julia Rabello as Greta. Um, Augusto Madeira is Fred, Danilio Del Mura is Chun, uh, so then there's Kefira Bookman as a Miriam Lopez Texira, um, Thelma Suiz as Wanda, Leandro Ramos as Sandro Sierra, uh, 
Proichcha as Richard A. D'Souza. Uh, Sergio Padal as Vladia the Prophet. Yeah, I mean, they're our main group. And, um, alright, the gist is, Guardian Angel Yuli is new to the Angelus system. A rebel spirit, he makes shocking discoveries about life and how the world is run when he goes rogue. Uh, so, right, essentially, it's about heaven. Yeah. Heaven and guardian angels, right? It, the, the whole notion of guardian angels, which kind of, you know, gives us a behind-the-scenes look and what they really are. You know, people on the clock doing a job, right? And essentially, it's boiled down to they're just here to give humans a nudge. Right, so if you're in the way of a, of a car, you know, they'll give you a slight nudge, so you move. You know, if, if something's swinging and it's going to hit you in the head, you then fall over, that's a guardian angel giving you a nudge. Right, that's the kind of gist of it. Um, Yeah, and so essentially, right, you leave, well, it starts off. And we see a load of different news reports from all over the world. And everything is array. Right? There's accidents happening. You know, people are kind of talking about it like, is the world ending? You know? Then we jump into Yuli. You know, he's getting shown around a place. And then he's... um put in front of a TV for a tutorial. So he's getting told about the job. You know, and the key tenants of um, being a guardian angel, right? So, um, yeah, you know, there, there's certain things that you um, must do and you mustn't do. Four key rules. So follow the daily assignment order, which, um, you know, comes out every morning. You know, these little balls, like it's a lottery kind of thing. That That's what it kind of resembles, right? All these balls on a thing and they come down with a name. Well, there's two. So two sides, one comes down with an assignment, you know, the name of the person you have to follow, and then the other one with the angel, Angelis, who um, does the following. The, then the next rule is, you know, do not appear to humans, right? And unless, you know, it's... Mm, unless it's the human that you're kind of assigned to, right? you kind of can, but they, you know, you, you, you kind of not meant to really. Do not f interfere with other humans, right? So you've got your assignment, and that's the only person that you can nudge, you know? 
And then the last big rule, do not go in the chief's office, right? So Yuli is the first Angelis, because yes, they're not actually called angels, they're called Angelis. Um, and he's the first one created in 300 years, which, you know, everyone's kind of relieved because you know, the population has uh, gone boom. But yeah, no new Angelises. But they're a bit miffed that only one, they're only given one new person to help them out. Right? And um, yeah, so then you realize they've all got this uniform. You know, white tie, red, sorry, white shirt, red tie, and they've all got red hair, you know, and, um, yeah, there's all of these weird arbitrary rules that don't make any sense to Yuli, like, you're meant to write a report, uh, and then he feels, oh, right, so we write a report, and then we give our feedback, no, no feedback, they don't, nothing's ever going to change, you know, this is the system and that's how it works. And, um, yeah, the report then gets filed away, never to be looked at again. And so he's, you know, he's seeing all of this and, you know, he, he's making suggestions, asking questions. Like, if you're not meant to appear to humans, why does everyone need to wear a white shirt, red tie? But there's no answers. He asks these questions, there's no answers. And other people seem to go, yeah. Why do we have to do this stuff? Right? Um, and, you know, obviously, right? He's miffed at all of this stuff. And he then decides to um, go against the grain. It's kind of because he's, you know, on his first assignment, which bores him to death, he witnesses a woman who... Um, yeah, goes against the grain herself. You know, she he she helps this homeless person, brings him into her house to uh, dress his wounds, and her boyfriend is all a bit like, "Oh, what are you doing? Yeah, just let the hospital and the police deal with this." And she's just like, "I don't follow the rules. I go against them," which then sparks Yuli to do exactly the same, and that's really the show, right? Him going against the grain, you know, changing things, meaning to um, give this funny insight into human life. That's essentially what you feel the show is, right? It's meant to be giving this insight into human life and the way, uh, yeah, things, things are set. And really, why don't we do things like this? To be happy, you know? Don't repress yourself. And we get to see all of these different kind of scenarios to um, to do that. Right? They're, on one episode, there's a, a couple. And the husband, he, um, you know, Angelis will be watching you all the time. Like in the first episode, uh, one of the people they're following is a teenage boy who masturbates all the time and uh, you know you use a bit like i don't want to watch this but yeah his colleague he's got no issue with it right so it, that's kind of thing but so 
yeah, there's this couple, the husband, he's, um, yeah, they see him watching porn. But when his wife comes in, he's all a bit like, oh, oh ah, I wasn't watching anything. Oh, I was just doing this because she, well, she's fine with him watching porn. You know, she's like, oh, we used to watch porn all the time together. But the thing is, he's watching gay porn and he doesn't want her to know because he doesn't think that she will understand. But secretly, she has a fantasy of um, having a threesome with two guys because they've done it the other way around with two girls. But yeah, she wants to try two guys. He's into it. She's into it neither of them really know so that's kind of the episode of yuli helping them out but there's you know there's things that are obvious like you know the last rule don't go into the chief's office well you know they're going to you know what i mean uh and that plays out kind of how you'd imagine you know it, I, it's it is a tad predictable, you know, in how it goes about things. And then there's other things that don't quite make any sense. Because, you know, he's, he's meant to be this guardian angel helping people. And um, so the whole thing is him going rogue. But it never really explains, right? what he's then going to do with that, right? Okay, so I'm going to break the rules, but why? Because at the start, he's all about, oh, we could do this. This would help humans more, and if we did it like this, this would be better. But then, when he goes about doing all the stuff he decides to do, it's not really at the betterment for anyone else other than himself. You know, so you're just a bit like, all right, but why? You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like, huh, why? And then I, there's some episode where he argues with a woman that's telling everyone she sees angels. And you're just like, okay, but what's the end goal for you here? What's the, because it just, the way it comes off is him really angry. But it doesn't really make sense in the context of, like, this character. Like, this character that has been set up as this, you know, likeable, lovable guy that just wants to help out. Right? Just wants to do the right thing. So, yeah, it's a bit like, hmm, that doesn't make sense. Then you've got this Miriam lady, right? And yeah, you you have her split up with her boyfriend, Richard. And they're both like, oh, she's the love of my life. He's my love. So why split up? Because the reason they split it doesn't really make any sense. Like there's no need for it, right? Within the context of what's happened. You know, there's this slight little misunderstanding and then all of a sudden we have these people split up. And you're like, huh? Right, so that doesn't make sense. 
but then you know i guess you should be able to figure out what happens right but yeah it, it kind of plays out in a way that doesn't make sense and then something else happens towards the end which again is a bit like what you know what I mean? it's a it's an odd thing so it it is a bit bizarre right it's a bit bizarre it's a bit odd in places it's you know it's an easy watch though right it's it's not really offensive in any way you know you can see it's trying to be fun you know it's very light-hearted so if you've been watching some yeah dark or heavy heavy types of you know shows films like something like this is a a little aperitif you know it's a palate cleanser so uh, you know it serves a, a purpose like that i'd imagine if you enjoy stuff like um i don't know like angels doing the right thing you know this is that show back in the day touched by an angel right I kind of figured Lucifer is that. I tried to watch a few episodes and they kind of really, you know, it's villain of the week type of thing. Yeah, it's a bit like iZombie Lucifer without the too crazy, crazy stuff. Um, or Miracle Workers, maybe. That Daniel Radcliffe, Steve Bashimi thing that's out there. Yeah, it kind of seems like that. So I imagine if you like those sort of things, you'd probably pretty much dig this, right? You know, it's got a um, a conclusion that, again, you can pretty much see coming, right? You're just like, all right, I bet they're going to... When you, you say in your head, I bet they're going to... That's what they will do. <laughs> You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I mean, it's not terrible, right? As I said, look, it's easy going. It's simple. Every episode, they you do get that notice up, though. You know, be careful, bad language, sex, nudity, blah, blah, blah. And there's not, really. I think in, in one episode, you see... You, there's two people having sex, right? But you don't see anything. And in another episode, you 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 see uh, you know a woman's breasts. That's it. But every every episode, it's like, oh, be careful of nudity. Be careful. I mean, like, ah, oh, well, I mean, do we really have to have that up? You know what I mean? Like, do we do we really need this every single episode? Like, there's not really any bad language or anything else for the most part. You know, the odd word here and there. But yeah, it is pretty harmless, people. You know what I mean? There is a lot riskier shows. But uh, yeah, if you want something lighthearted and you're a fan of, yeah, that, that kind of you know, good be evil, angels, on earth to help out kind of things, then I would say that nobody's looking, 
you will enjoy it, you know. And um, I didn't, I yeah, I didn't mind the dubbing, you know. Didn't didn't really get in the way for me. But if you prefer it, you just hit the uh, Brazilian Portuguese option and uh, watch it in its native language and read the subtitles. Unless you know Brazilian Portuguese and you don't need subtitles at all. But uh, yeah, there you go, people. It's on Netflix. And uh, as I said, look, eight very short episodes. So maybe give it a try. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so this week, I decided to check out No One Belongs to Her More Than You. So this is a, um, yeah, it's like a collection of short stories from Miranda July. And I think it was ever since I watched uh, Kajillionaire at the London Film Festival. Man, I was just like... I need to I need to check out more of her work, right? Because god damn it, Cajillionaire is so damn good. So that the writing's so great. And it just speaks to you. So uh, yeah, I was looking to see what other stuff she had. And I know all of a sudden I noticed that yeah, she had books. Right? So went on Audible. And yeah, they 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 were there. So I picked up um, this one, which is her first book. She narrates it herself, right? And um, yeah, the description is award-winning filmmaker and performing artist Miranda July brings her extraordinary talents to the page in a startling, sexy, and tender collection. In these stories, July gives the most seemingly insignificant moments a sly, a sly potency, a benign encounter, a misunderstanding, a shy revelation can reconfigure the world. Her characters engage awkwardly. They are sometimes too remote, sometimes too intimate, with great compassion and generosity. July reveals their idio, idio, idiosyncrasies and the odd logic and longing that govern their lives. No One Belongs Here More Than You is a stunning debut, the work of a writer with a spectacular, original, compelling voice. And um, yeah, it comprises of 16 stories. Some are definitely longer than others, right? And it is, I mean, it's odd. <laughs> like, th these stories are, yeah, a lot of them are real crazy and weird. But for, I'd say for the most part, they, yeah, they work, right? They're just intriguing. You can believe in the scenarios. Right, you can believe in the loneliness that the people are feeling, at the awkward situations they find themselves in. Now, some of them, for sure, some of them make no sense. But there's one, um, the shared patio. 
So, um, the you know, it's about a woman. She's living on her own. I think she just split up with um, her boyfriend. Um, and it's the first book, right? And she lives next door to a, a couple. And they share this patio. And, um, yeah, she talks about it like, oh, I don't think that the couple know it's meant to be a shared patio. So... I um I go down there and make sure I spend as much time on it as they do. And it and it was just one of those things that you read and you be like, oh shit, yeah. You know what I mean? I get it. Because when you like live in a place with you know shared facilities, there's usually one person that will use them more than anyone else. And if you don't use them a lot, it then can feel weird to go in that spot, right? And if you're hardly ever there, then the person that's always there will look at you in a way that, why the fuck are you here? This is my space. So you do kind of have that feeling like, I need to spend just amount, just the, you know what I mean, just the same amount of time here as they do. Otherwise, this is going to go weird, so it's like all of this kind of thing, but I think she's also like looking at this couple and kind of, there's a, you know, a jealousy around it, like, oh man, they're happy, why can't I be happy, and it is, so it's this odd story that kind of plays out, and it's, it's just got this weird little ending, but you know, it works because i think what you find with a short story it allows the author just to dive straight into a subject you know you don't need the long build up or the intricate conclusion and ending you just can talk about that moment right and then boom you're done it's over right you, it, there's snapshots into these circumstances, into this moment in people's lives. And, it, you know, they can be fascinating. Like the, the second um, story is called The Swim Team. And this one is just, man, right? it, it, it's weird, right? It's this girl, she's living alone in a small town. And, um, you know, she, she talks about how she's, you know, the coach of a swim team. But you, as soon as she says it, you get a feeling that, okay, this is going to be weird, right? There's something weird about this. And, yeah, because there's, there's no swimming pool in this town. So she teaches these old people how to swim. But it, it's just a weird, crazy way in which she does it, but she's like, oh yeah, they're all, you know, when we see each other, they say, hey coach, and I say, have you been practicing those moves, and we all smile and grin, and you know, so they're all invested in this weird, weird situation, but you, you believe it, right, you get sucked in, and you're like, oh shit, why are they going back, or 
Actually, that's kind of intriguing. Hmm. Can you teach swimming like that? You know, it's, it's yeah, it's crazy. I, I think the, um, the, the story that I didn't like, well, I mean, it was like the writing of it was fine, but it was just the subject was just, ugh. it was um, Making Love in 2003. And it was about a woman who teaches in a special needs school. And yeah, it's like how she starts seeing one of the students. And you're just like, oh no, like this is not good, right? But it, it's written in a way that the woman, she, you know, she feels no shame about it, right? She's just like, oh yeah, I see people walking around in relationships and I feel, oh, that's like me and Steve. And you're just like, oh no, oh no. You know, it, it's just, it's just weird. That one was just way too, way too weird. But then there was another story about a couple who, um, yeah, like are announcing the, the fact that they are, they're different, right? They're not, they don't get sucked in to um, all the weirdness and bullshit that a lot of people do. You know, they don't believe in hallmark rituals such as Valentine's Day or weddings. You know, they're, um, they stay away from things that are meaningless and favour things that are meaningful. But their marriage is just this soulless situation like she, I, there's a point where she's like um oh he got mad at me because i wouldn't tell him who i fantasize about when we're having sex he tells me but i don't care you know and it's just like oh god damn but you kind of know couples like that right people that are just together who just because Right, just because they've been together for a period of time and it's kind of now their norm, right? It would be weird if they split up, even though they don't really, if you boil it down, kind of like each other. But it's how they kind of found a meaning in like becoming movie extras. Right, so they do they do a movie, but then in doing the movie, they then realize, oh, we're not we're not good together. We don't work, and it's just like, oh, oh, damn. You know what I mean? It, it was such a yeah, just this this story that then just suddenly explodes into this other thing, and it's it, it was just transfixing uh what's gonna happen now yeah it was it was definitely an odd one there was also a story um oh oh man like it was about this old guy 
right? Worked at a factory. He lost his wife. And, um, you know, he just feels depressed and alone and doesn't know what to do. And this guy, other guy that works at the factory, he's just like, hey, we, everyone sees that you're miserable. You need to turn it around. Oh, I know someone. I'm, you know, I'll introduce you to this one girl. And guy turns up and no one's there, right? And this guy's coach meant to be setting him up on these dates, but every time he goes, there's never anyone there. And then one day he's just like, actually, listen, I know the, I know the perfect someone. Like my little sister, she really likes you. She really likes you. She wants you to come over. And he goes over to the house and she, you know, obviously she's not there. Because there's no one exists. Like you could, like you see it. You, you see it straight away that this guy is fucking around with this dude. But yeah, you're just like, no, come on. It's, it's a setup. It's a joke. Can't you see it? What's going on? And he just goes about, he just goes about it. Now, the story, yeah, it ends in this weird ass way. That again, you kind of see it coming, right? Because you're just like, why otherwise would this guy be doing this thing? You know, getting you to come over to his house when he knows there's no one going to be showing up. Right, so you're, you're, you're kind of following this through and you're just like, oh no, How, ugh, just don't do it, don't do it. But yeah, that, that, that was, an, it was odd, but you, you, you see it, right? You, you see everything that's happening, you know, it, it, it's just clear. There's a clarity to July's writing. You know, she can suck you in. And it's just the minor details can ring real true. You know, the, these, these situations are extremely believable. Like, I think one of my favorites was um, Something That Needs Nothing, right? It was about these, these two girls, two teenage girls, and they run away together. Like, they're best friends. And one of them is in love with the other one, right? But the the crazy thing about it, you feel that the other one knows. The other one knows, and she's playing the situation to her advantage, right? And she's kind of controlling this one girl. And, um, yeah, she... It, it all kind of spirals, all spirals, and then you get into this other situation that, you know, it, it's, it's not the best, but she finally kind of took some responsibility for herself, you know, to make money. You know, it, it's obviously not the best job that you could have, you know, and I think it's not the best job because of, you know, how it's all set up. Like, it just does not seem safe. Doesn't seem safe. 
And when she goes to her boss with the concerns, he doesn't really care. You know, that's the um, that's the real kind of kicker of the whole thing. Yeah, he doesn't care. And the way it all plays out, you're, you're seeing these relationships as they like dissipate, then come back together. But you can see like the manipulation in it all. And it's just, uh, there's always this sadness that seems to run through the stories. Like there's, I don't think there's one that's just straight up happy, happy. There's always a sadness or an oddness, you know, just something, something in there. But they're really enjoyable. I really did enjoy this. I kind of feel that, you know, the, 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 this kind of book is for someone that's down with uh, Murakami, right? If you enjoy, you know, dance, 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 and like Norwegian wood, um, yeah, just all of those kind of books, right? Then, yeah, this would be for you. Because Murakami's books are weird. <laughs> you know, hard-boiled wonderland. You know, they're just these weird stories. And in, like, Murakami, he's, when there's sex in his books, it's always odd. It's never just normal. And that's kind of like July, right? Her books are just weird. Like these odd situations going down. So yeah, I think if you're a fan of Murakami, I think you'd dig this. I think you'd want to check this out. And July, she does a good job at narrating as well. So um, yeah, people, go check it out. Especially if you watch Killer Kajillionaire and you really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think you'll like this. Okay, people, we have hit that time again. So let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of TV before we bounce. All right, so after, uh, yeah, getting shipped around, it looks like one day at a time is finally dead. Yep, no one seemed to uh, be willing to pick it up from Pop TV. So, uh, yeah, that is done, people. But there are 46 episodes that you can go back and reflect on if you missed the series. Uh, so, also, um, Apple have renewed their, uh, you know, sci-fi series for all mankind. You know, so uh, the second season is, I feel, I think it's just about to drop. And, um, yeah, it's going to get a third season. So, um, there is that. I do feel that Apple will renew everything because they need the content, right? But, you know, it is what it is. Now, <laughs> I don't know how many people see this, but... There was a 90s Australian kind of soap opera called Heartbreak High. 
And um, it would seem that it's uh, coming back. Yeah, they are producing an eight-episode reboot uh, that will hit Netflix in 2022. I mean, supposedly, you know, Netflix have got the rights and they put up... um, you know, all the previous seven seasons of it Haven't seen it in the UK, but I know, maybe it's floating around somewhere But, uh, yeah, I don't know Eight more episodes of that Man, it, it was kind of cringe, you know what I mean? But I guess those that do like a nice soap opera, you know Will probably, uh, yeah, be all happy about that one. I don't know. <laughs> um, some stuff is going down at Netflix. So they had a, um, you know, the animated series Hoops, which had a voice cast of um, Jack Johnson. Um, in the lead um, Gosh, there's Funk There was, um, god damn it I can't remember the uh, comedian Ron Funch Ron Funch was also uh, Voicing a character On it um, But yeah, it's not coming back It has uh, Yeah, it's been cut uh, Supposedly The first series Didn't get enough Viewers But You know Netflix are Gonna be dropping Their The second part Of their Transformer Um Animated Series Uh At the end Of the year So on the 30th of December Um We will be Getting Um you know, Transformers War for Cybertron Earthrise So uh, It was earlier in the year that the first Part dropped I forget what it was called Right, but it was I think it was 6 or 8 episodes Right And it's all part of a Trilogy So, um, you know The All Spark went missing and the Ark is marooned in deep space. Optimus Prime and the surviving Autopots are, um, yeah, on the run. You know, a desperate race against time while they contend against an independent group of Transformers called the Mercenaries, as well as the wrath of the desperate Megatron. So, yeah, it's all going to go down. So, uh, yeah, fans of, um, you know, the first part, yeah, you get more on the 30th of December. Uh, so, other things that are going down. All right, so, um, yeah, NBC have um, cancelled their show Superstore. You know, so the SIP season is going to be its last with the remaining episodes going to be hitting on the 14th of January. Um, 
other stuff that is going. We've got, um, yeah, um, there's a, um, goes Douglas Stewart. He's, um, debut, debut novel, Shuggy Bane, right, has been picked up by A24 and Scott Rudin Productions. So, um, yeah, it, it, the book is basically, um, kind of, is, is, uh, kind of mirroring Stuart's childhood as he grew up in Glasgow in the 80s, uh, and, um, he will be adapting the book for TV, now, this could be interesting, right, um, so, yeah, Peacock is um, picking up a new series, right? It's um, from Leon Hendricks III and Ajani Jackson. Um, you know, also, uh, you know, David Ayres, Chris Long and Daryl C. Scott will be producing. And it's about Central Pro. You know, an FBI program where, um, yeah, they basically forced a um, black policeman to um, infiltrate the civil rights movement to uh, destroy it from within. Now, at the same time, his wife joined the civil rights movement. He doesn't know anything about it So Yeah It's one of them stories Where two people Unwittingly Collide on different sides of things It's a true story though So Yeah I don't know It, it could You know It could be interesting Right Um What else is going on Well Okay Amazon have a um, a new series called Outer Range, so it's starring Josh Brolin, Imogen Poots, Lily Taylor, Tamara Podemski, and Tom Pelfrey. Okay, so it's about a rancher fighting for his land and family who discover an unfathomable mystery at the edge of Wyoming's wilderness. Potts will portray um, Autumn, an interrent woman who lives without regrets and who charms the abbots enough to let her camp on their land. Hmm. Okay. Alright. Um, so, um, Euphoria, which is, um, yeah, huge hit, right, on HBO. Well, um, they will have a special episode dropping on the 24th of January And this one, um, it follows Jules, right? So it's, yeah, looking at her over Christmas as she reflects on the year So, uh, yeah, fans of that 24th of January, people, mark it down. Um, 
Alright, so yeah, people that like feel good on Netflix, that will be ending with its second season. Okay, so um yeah, you know. Second season is dealing with May as she's struggling to come to terms with her past and George tries to reinvent her present. Uh, Man, you've also got Margaret Robbie and her um, production company Lucky Chap Entertainment has just signed a uh, first look deal with Amazon Studios so expect um yeah some new project uh, new projects hitting uh, prime at some point soon uh so we have also um had word from Diego Luna that um yeah the uh, Kassan Andor TV series is currently in production. So, you know, Kassan Andor, um, you know, he was the main character, as it were, in Rogue One. Or the, ma- the main male character in Rogue One, anyway. So it's basically following him at the beginning. You know, and if everyone remembers Rogue One, it seemed like uh, you know there was a lot of history between certain people. Bridges had been burnt, shit had gone down. So I am suspecting we're gonna find all of that out. And uh, yeah, Gilroy will be uh, an executive producer on the series. So uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel that's something to look forward to. Um, other stuff that's going down. Well, AMC have renewed um, Fear of the Walking Dead for a seventh season. Oh my gosh, those shows just keep on going, right? You'd think all those zombies would be dead by now, but uh, obviously not. Um, also, we have got a, a new project um, in the works from um, Hawk Cooch, uh, Gene Kirkwood, and Nick Valionga. Okay, um called the Pope of Greenwich Village alright so um, it's going to be an 8 episode miniseries um, and it's you know being adapted from the book of the same name from Vincent Patrick Okay, so it's a story about two cousins who unknowingly robbed the mob and faced dangerous consequences. Oh shit. Yeah, doesn't really sound like, uh, you know, the smartest of moves. Alright, so, um, yes, CW um, are adding another new DC show to their lineup. But. This one 
isn't going to be uh, produced by um, Greg Berlanti. So uh, this new one is um, the Bendis comic Naomi, and uh, it's being produced by Ava DuVernay. So um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so Jill Blankenship is also on board to um, yeah develop the series. Which follows a teenage girl's journey from her small northwestern town to the heights of the multiverse. When a supernatural event rattles her hometown, Naomi sets out to uncover its origins. What she discovers will challenge everything people believe about superheroes. So, um, supposedly the comic is a big hit. So uh, yeah, we'll see how that translates Now, Disney is meant to be having a board meeting this week And there is rumblings that uh, they may be merging Disney Plus with Hulu Now, the only reason that that's a rumbling is because a lot of Hulu executives have been losing their jobs But remember, it's the frigging lockdown And our whole gang of people have lost their jobs So I don't know if that's really a thing You know what I mean? Because I feel Hulu does make money for Disney So I don't know it, it, It's one of those things, right? Because... Disney Plus isn't really full of, um, you know, 18 rated shows, right? So, if they did merge it with Hulu, they would have to, yeah, realign their thinkings on all of that stuff. So, um, I don't know, but we will see what goes down at this board meeting. But uh, yeah, that's the rumblings in the water. Now, over at HBO, uh, Isa Ray and Adam McKay are teaming up for um, a uh, you know a new series called Nice White Parents. Um, yeah, so it's coming out of a, uh, a podcast that had the same name um, And it, it's looking at, um, I don't know, just like what happens when highly resourced white parents Who claim to have the best intentions wield their influence over generations of black and brown students within the New York public school system. Hmm. I guess if you listen to the podcast, you will be uh, more averse to um, whether it's worth checking out. But um, yeah, Nicolas Cage is fronting a. A new docu-series over at Netflix It's called The History of Swearing Yeah Uh, You know, it's got a load of um, 
comedians on board as well The likes of uh, Nick Offerman, London Hughes, Joel Kim Booster, Open Mike Eagle, uh, Paddy Harrison D-Ray Davis, Jim Jeffries, Nikki Gazer, Zanab Johnson, Sarah Silverman, um, Baron Vaughan and Isaiah Whitlock Jr. So basically, um, yeah, there's gonna be, uh, gosh, I forget how many episodes, but they're 20 minutes each. And it's taking a deep dive, well, however deep you can get in 20 minutes But it'll be looking at the origins of swear words, their pop culture usage, you know, cultural impact And all of that business We're talking with historians, you know, entertainers and the like but um yeah i know it's an odd one right very strange <laughs> we'll see how we'll see how that goes down but it does seem like a project nick cage would be involved in but people yeah that's us for this week we will be back next wednesday god damn this year is closing down quickly right but uh yeah people enjoy the rest of your week and uh we will see you uh, then all right take it easy peace <laughs>